This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally, Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Fist bump. Let's get going and let's talk about how do we tell historical content. And you know what? The Coca-Cola Trail is a book you want to check out. Uh, and and it's, you know, it's historical content. The Coca-Cola Trail, People and Places in the History of Coca-Cola. Larry Jorgensen, he's joining me today. He is a journalist that tells historical stories, which is interesting to me because I grew up in journalism and you know what I do. I tell the current stories. I never really go back and back and, you know, uncover things from many years ago, even though I've done that before. But when do we do that? How do we do it? And I want to know, why did Larry pick the Coca-Cola trail? That's my first question, throwing it right over to him. Gary, welcome to the show. Larry. Well, it's interesting because I'm not what they call a Coca-Cola addict. I'm not a collector or a memorabilia person. I'm an old news dog, just like you. And um, I got interested in doing a travel story. There are two Coca-Cola museums, if you want to call them that, that are not too far from me. One in Vicksburg, Mississippi, and one in Monroe, Louisiana. And I thought, that'd be a good travel story. I'll do the story. Well, once I got into investigating the two museums, I found out that this story is truly a story of business pioneers all over the country. It's the the people that really started Coca-Cola. It's not, but we're not about Atlanta, Georgia. So what went from being a, I thought, a travel feature um, after talking to a few people, became a book. In fact, it's become two books about the people and places in the history of Coca-Cola. How did it all get started? How did they start bottling? You know, Coca-Cola in Atlanta that was making the syrup, they didn't even think bottling was a good idea. And it was, um, you know, business people, entrepreneurs that said, yeah, it's a good idea. We want to do it. And that's really what kicked off Coca-Cola as a, a nationwide and now a worldwide business. Now, hold on a second. They didn't think bottling was a good idea. How were people drinking Coca-Cola at that time? Well, they were making the syrup, the Coca, the cola oh. syrup, and they were selling the syrup in large you know, gallon containers or whatever to uh, uh, soda fountains you know, drugstores that had the old soda fountains because originally, the, you know, the syrup was invented supposedly by uh, Mr. Pemberton as a um, a way to cure pain. He, he had a, a major Civil War injury and he was trying to uh, cure pain. So it started out with that, that goal. And uh, as it grew in popularity across the soda fountains in drugstores, um, it, it was apparent that there was, this was more of a refreshing beverage than it was for medicinal purposes. And it was finally, and that's where we talk about Vicksburg, in Vicksburg, Mississippi, where Joe Biedenhorn, who had a, 
a, a candy store and a, a store with a soda fountain and was actually bringing in the uh, Coca-Cola syrup, thought, you know, if I could bottle this, I could get it to the people out in the country. Now, that was okay. 1896, and that's how it got started. Uh, Coca-Cola thought it was a dumb idea, and and they yeah. didn't even allow bottling for five years. Got it. Very interesting. Now, talk to me. I mean, we got all these people listening to the show, watching the show, uh, and they try to tell company stories, right? They're in a company, and it's very easy to be, we're in the present, we're today, you know, this is our story today. And I always see it when I see new journalists kind of starting up or even some marketers, you know, everybody has the same ideas that somebody already had 10 years ago or five years ago where they, when they were in that part of their career. How do we go back? How, I mean, talk about maybe the Coca-Cola trail. How you, how did you report that? How do you get the details? And then how do you determine what details are valuable from, you know, I mean, in, in your case, it, in this case, it's a hundred, some 150 years ago or whatever, 200 years ago, almost. Sometimes it's not that far, but how do we determine what details are worth reporting and how do we get them from that far back? Well, I think I had a goal once I decided to do the book. The goal was to, to uh, it was travel and history. It was to find places mm -hmm. that had Coca-Cola history that you could go visit. And the history was still there. It might be an old bottling plant that is now an entertainment center or a brew pub or whatever. Uh, there have been old uh, plants that are um, little boutique shopping malls. So my goal was two. It was, number one, to tell the story when you went to look at this place as to what was the Coca-Cola history there. And yet it would be a place where you would enjoy being able to see the history. So it was it was really two goals to to explain what was there and to give you a place to go. I've I've had people tell me that they plan trips around places that I mentioned in the book so they could see the history. And uh it was really driven by that and I had a lot of people uh, descendants of people in the Coca-Cola bottling industry who would come to me and say, here's one, you ought to go investigate this one. And it was that that led me down the trail. It was to find places, not to find a Coca-Cola building that is full of lawyers or accountants, but a Coca-Cola building that you could go in and enjoy or a, or a Coca-Cola mural that has been restored on the side of a building, that type of thing. So again, of course, it always comes down to finding the right people, finding the right stories. I mean, I'm a big fan of that, going out and finding those right stories. Now, if somebody, you know, somebody at Coca-Cola reads the book, I mean, is it, um, I mean, is it mostly like a positive book or is it, would you, is it a journalistic book or how do you, like, what's the balance, I guess? Do you know what I mean? Well, I think it's positive, and I, I answer the question a lot of people ask me. Uh, it's travel and it's history, uh, and it's a good experience. I Like I say, the people that uh, have, have used it as a guide for travel uh, to go visit places have been very rewarded with that experience. So it was not to create a negative, although within the book and within the, the telling of the uh, different stories, 
you know, it wasn't always easy for these young entrepreneurs to to grasp onto a concept, this beverage called Coca-Cola, and to invest some money and some time and, and to make a business out of it. There were challenges. Heck, the early days, it was, where do you get a bottle? That's why in the early days, there were so yeah. many different bottles to put Coca-Cola in instead of the one we're familiar with now. So there were challenges, and part of the book and the stories we tell are the challenges that these businessmen uh, had to face with a new product and how they overcame those challenges. Very interesting. So when you talk about a travel book and a company book, so where should people have you visited the, all these places and that's kind of how you reported it or I, I visited, um, yeah i have i visited many of them a lot of the photos in their um current sites i took but a lot mm -hmm. of the, the uh historic photos and there's over 200 photos in the book by the way uh, came from descendants of Coca-Cola bottlers. You know, there's fourth and fifth generation families that have been bottling Coca-Cola. Uh, they shared photos. Uh, I was able to get information from historical societies, from museums, from libraries. Um, Coca-Cola is such a well-known name that there is a tendency to to collect a lot of information about it. So it was just finding out who's got the information, who's got the photos, and getting the stories that have never been told before. That was the interesting thing. I had support of these business people because they said, you know, there's probably been a couple hundred books written about Coca-Cola corporate, Atlanta, Georgia. But mm -hmm. no one has written about you know, the guys, guys out here in the trenches that really made it happen. And consequently, I got a lot of support from families of Coca-Cola bottlers, pioneer bottlers, to tell their story. Very, very interesting. So, Larry, the, the thing I want to dig into a little bit further here. So I used to travel a lot, and now I just sit in the same studio nonstop in the same chair for the last two years or however long many years it's been. Uh, with this COVID uh, mess out here. Um, but I am, and even as a as a police reporter, you know, I would get much better stories knocking on somebody's door and then talking to them face-to-face -face than calling them, right? And this is even the days before they were true smartphones, you know? I mean, I had like a very bulky cell phone, you know? I would call back into the office and say, could you please check my email? That's, that's what we're talking about here time-wise. But Going out, seeing the experience, seeing what it's like, talking to the people face to face, whatever it might be, there is a real value in that. But I know there's some business content creators, they'd rather sit in their office. They rather just, let's I don't want to say make it up, but they rather just, oh, you know, we'll just write something. We'll just, you know, whatever. Talk to us about the value of getting off, up, going to the places, whatever the, the place is in your business that you need to go to, talk to the people that are working there, talk to the stories, get them. What's the value of that? Oh, the, the value is immense because the people, when you've made the effort to go visit them, they are going to make the effort to sit down, to dedicate uh -huh. time. And, it, you know, yeah. you, you call up somebody and they're going to give you a quick answer and get rid of you. 
But if you're sitting in their office or in their conference room and they bring in a couple friends or a couple employees who have experiences, all of a sudden you hear stories that, that they wouldn't tell you on the phone. And so maybe, you know, I, I recall going to uh, uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas, sitting in the conference room with two of the, the owners of the, the Coca-Cola bottling company, and they brought in a gentleman who was 97 years old, who had been with that company for five generations, who in fact was sort of their historian, their curator of, uh, of documents. And he took me up, went and visited a little museum that he had created. You couldn't do that if you didn't go there, you know, but they actually scheduled that man to meet with me because they knew I was going to be there. I was sincerely interested in driving to Fort Smith, Arkansas to hear their story. And consequently, they made it worth my trip. What's so interesting about that, what I have not thought about actually is the relationship building, right? So if I'm email, so here's the thing, you and I emailed a couple times, right? And most of my emails to you have been automated, right? Because I send you an automatic reminder. Hey, Larry, don't forget, we're going live, you know, tomorrow or last week. Hey, Larry, don't forget, we're going live in a week. Uh, Send me your links, whatever. Now, while that's information that is helpful to you as my guest, I hope, there's no, I'm not really build. I'm not putting in any extra effort, right? Because it is automated, right? It's just, you get the same thing like everybody else. Right. After the show, you get another email with all the links automatically. So me getting up, got, come visit you and interview you about whatever, that is actually a true relationship building tool. And when you build a relationship, you can get better stories. Or am I just making that up? No, it, it's very true. And in fact, what it, what happened, I wrote a second book called Return to the Coca-Cola Trail. And it was uh-huh. exactly because of that. I had met with people and they would get back to me and say, you know, if you're going to do another book, here's a place and here's my friend Joe, who is a bottler or whose family used to be. You need to talk to him. Well, consequently, there are now two books One is called Return to the Coca-Cola Trail. And, you know, relationships that were built, uh, to this day, I I write and I do it gratis for the Coca-Cola Collectors Magazine because people will still call me from the friendships I've made along the trail and say, are you aware this is happening? A good example, I just found out yesterday that there is a museum at a uh, state park in Birmingham, Alabama, that is going to have a Coca-Cola exhibit in their museum for a year. And I learned all about it. And, uh, you know, you just, you never, you never escape the friendships or the relationships. Very, very interesting. So, so talk about why, I don't want to say obsession, but you've written two books on Coca-Cola now. Why, why do you keep coming back to that story? What's what's so interesting to you? And I know, does it, I mean, it makes a difference, right? If you really care about a story, it's much easier to share it. Well, it is. And, and the fact that the support has been there, both 
from the standpoint of people that have have purchased my books and you know like like any artist or writer it's nice to know somebody appreciates what you've done um but you know what what brings you back is the relationships and you know i'm not a coca-cola memorabilia collector and there are thousands of them that have bought my book thank you um and as far as enjoying Coca-Cola, yeah, I have a Coca-Cola maybe w- once every other day or something, but I'm not a, uh, you know, a Coca-Cola addict as some people are. It just, the whole story is so fascinating. And I think the thing that really keeps bringing me back is that the magic of the term Coca-Cola. You know, when, when I started out to do this book, it was just a, a fun idea. And I found out the the fact that it's Coca Cola, that that name, which is the the most recognized product name in the world, has brought so much attention to what I'm doing. Um, you know, if you had written a book about something else, good luck on on and getting all the information. It would have been a lot more work. I've had people volunteer to help me. So the one question I have, just because you see people in person doesn't mean they're going to take the time or they can find the time, right? I mean, I'll give you an example. When I, like somebody knocks on my door, like I won't answer. In fact, I won't even come to the door, right? Like I'll just, I mean, unless I know who it is or if I'm in like a, a really good mood, I might do it. But but very rarely will I do that. Or when somebody calls, Larry, if somebody calls me and they're not in my phone, my phone doesn't even ring. It goes to spam, whether it's spam or not, right? Because otherwise I can't get any work done ever. So how how do we build that relationship with people so they will make the time to talk to us and tell us those stories? Well, I think a lot of it came from the fact that as I was doing the book, as I was building the trail, one person who I would talk to uh, would say, do you know about... And they would refer me and they'd say, he's a good friend of mine. Call him up, tell him we've talked, tell him what you're doing, and he'll welcome you. So it was a referral thing. And obviously, I I never knocked on doors without having previously uh, contacted the people. And, and, and most of the time, I had a, a reference from someone. Uh, in fact, the, uh, the foreword to my first book, is written by Randy Mayo, who is a fourth-generation bottler, Coca-Cola bottler. But more importantly, he is a descendant of Joe Biedenhorn, who was the first man to bottle Coca-Cola in Vicksburg. And Randy has been a tremendous support. He He has offered the names of friends. Uh, I've had a bottlers and people in the industry call me up and and say, hey, I, I heard what you're doing. Uh, maybe you would be interested in this story. So there's a real network of people who appreciate what you're doing. And those are the ones that have, have made the, the trail uh, really a wonderful experience for me. Very, very fascinating. It's always about building those relationships and moving forward from there. Um, When you report a story, so you wrote some books about the topic, but is there a multimedia angle too? Or I mean, is it, um, are you more the the wordsmith kind of guy? I mean, I remember back in the day, 
as a reporter, you know, I have my notebook. Today I do live streams. Then I do a podcast. Then I do an article. How what's your how, how do you recommend people interview people, um, and and how do you do it? I'm I'm pretty much the old fashioned way, I guess. I I like to, to I still get carry my little notebook with me, and uh-huh. um, you know, yes, I have done some interviews for the book and for stories I'm working on now by internet, but they're not. I I don't enjoy them as much. Um, the, the friendships and, and so forth. I, if at all possible, I inc- would encourage people to do to do the old one-on-one, meet a neighbor, meet somebody that, that uh, when you go away from that, you're going to have a good feeling about what you've done. And you, and it'll be someone that you feel comfortable if you, you know, if you have irritated the person, someone that you'll feel comfortable in going back to later and say, hey, I heard about how does this impact with what you're doing. So it's the follow-up that you can't develop if you don't really get with the person. You got to get with them. But I mean, just because you get with them doesn't mean you couldn't do like a like recorded or do a video interview or something like that. Um, even though I've been a big fan of, you know, taking notes. Um, I mean, that's how I did it way back when. And then at some point I started doing more video, not like remote, but, you know, record the interview so you can. But again, you know, once people are on camera, they might not necessarily feel as comfortable as um, as if you're just sitting there taking notes, right? I mean, have you seen that? As a, is that true or no? Yeah, that's true. And uh, one chapter that I did over in Mobile, Alabama, uh, at the Bellingraf uh, Gardens. It's a it's a uh, a tourist place, but it was originally started by uh, Mr. Walter Bellingraf, who was a Coca Cola bottler. Anyhow, the interview I did there, mm-hmm. I had a uh, a video photographer with me. He was also interested in it, and we sat down and we did a uh, an interview on on video, and and it was a great asset in going back and looking at, gee, what did we say? You know, maybe you don't you don't write as many notes, uh, and and he was comfortable with it. But I think after we shut the camera off and we started walking the grounds and going to the the home of uh, this. A former Coca-Cola bottler, uh, who was one of the first bottlers, by the way, uh, and going through the home, all of a sudden stories came out and he would point to things and say, well, here's an example. Again, you know, if you can make the personal contact, I just feel it adds it adds some advantage to it. And yes, I, I, I do video and I've done audio. Um, when you when it's too far away or when it doesn't work in a schedule, it's a good fallback. And, and I, I don't put it down. I just try to try to be uh, old school as much as I can. Well, and I don't know if it's old school or new school or, or you know, I don't know, somewhere down the middle. But but um, the, the thing that kind of gave me a little bit of flashbacks here is the, the, after the interview, right? People open up just as you're walking out. I mean, I've gotten stories when, you know, I was in healthcare, working in healthcare, and I'm walking out of the, the department chair's um, office, you know, the interview is done, and they give me another tidbit that's like the best tidbit, but it's yeah, not it the, becomes the lead to the story, you know. Right. Exactly. And, and in that case, in those cases, I mean, they were not expository. You know, I'm not exposing anybody. I'm not finding negative things. I'm working for that 
organization. So it's not like, you know, negative anyways, but they didn't think about it. Right. But they're so you got to give people the room to breathe and to think about it and, and open up and just share stories. So well, um, I guess that's another. Sometimes a person you interview maybe has his own idea as to what the lead to the quote chapter story, whatever is. And maybe in your own mind, you've decided this, this should go in this direction. So it might be at the end of the interview that they give you that one gem, that one little jewel that ties in with why you're there in the first place. So yeah, the, the, that type of casual conversation that you wouldn't get in a formal situation can often make the story make the chapter very interesting stuff check out uh, larry's book the coca-cola trail uh, i believe the coca-cola trail.com is that the right address larry that's it that's it very simple uh don't hyph- if you go to the website don't hyphenate coca-cola just the coca-cola trail.com TheCoCoLaTrail.com. Thanks for all the insights on how do we tell stories? How do we um, build relationships with people? Now, the one last question here in the last um, 45 seconds or so, Larry, how much time does it take if you visit somebody in person? I mean, it takes more time than us talking for 27 minutes, I assume. It does. And, and a lot of times, again, if you look at the trail, there was a lot of travel involved. So, you know, like I use the example of Fort Smith, Arkansas, you know, it was a day up there, spend the night, spend the best part of the next day uh, doing the interview and then, you know, head on home and and uh, get in late that night. So you've got some travel. Um, It it is it's it's an effort, but it's a worthwhile effort. Fantastic. Uh, Always appreciate to talk to a fellow storyteller. Larry, um, thanks for joining us. And everyone, please check out his book, The Coca-Cola Trail. Really appreciate it and enjoyed our conversation. Always learn something new. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.